right, welcome to the Max Effort Kitchen. Happy Sunday. Uh, getting closer to that day. Uh, I was going through the schedule today and um, noticing that I was a little off and I probably should get a couple more podcasts out uh, before that big dinner. That way everybody has some time uh, to really, you know, try them out, test them, you know, do your research, understand Get your mise en place ready. You know, all that fun stuff that we've been talking about. Anyways, uh, I am your host, Chef Matt. Uh, I will be bringing you through and all the way home to Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, but first, like we always do, let's talk about what we're, uh, what we're drinking today. Um, I'm always, you know, at night, I like to do the peppermint. Or I guess it's a mint medley today. Two bags, mint medley big cup, hot water. Um, I find that the mint actually helps uh, soothe the stomach, get everything nice and calm, um, and uh, just kind of helps me sleep overall. So I'm doing a, uh, a little bit later of a podcast. I think it's 7.30-ish on a Sunday, which um, if I can get on a podcast at 7.30 on a Sunday, it's been a good weekend. So um, it's actually been a really good weekend. And I wanted to take some time to talk about that. Um, my wife and I took a day trip. Well, okay, it was more than a day trip. It was a 24-hour trip. Let's call it that. Um, we were, you know, kind of not really meaning to, but like, you know, 15 years together, kind of just celebrating that a little bit. So that's uh, that was cool and, and a lot of fun and really nice to do. Kid-free weekend. I think you might have seen me post about it on uh, Instagram and Facebook and all the social meds, but I wanted to bring it up uh, for two reasons. You know, we were talking this morning at breakfast and, you know, I was telling her, I was like 15 years, right? 15 years, like what, to me, that's a lot, right? Um, and don't get me wrong, these 15 years have been uh, a roller coaster. It's been hard. It's been good. It's been emotional. It's been, I mean, every emotion you can think of. And, you know, anybody out there that's married or any, any type of relationship, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's not easy. It's constant work every day, every hour. And uh, we're not perfect. Don't claim to be. And But, you know, we are in a place and are fortunate enough to have the opportunity to get away. Um, we have found um, an amazing person to stay with our kids. And uh, that's, you know, that's kind of like the, uh, the secret sauce right there that if we can find that, then we can get away. So we did. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it this morning at breakfast and there was this idea and I was like, man, what, what is it? Why do, why am I so like, uh, amazed by this or excited about it. And, and she brought up a really good point. And, and the fact that like, you know, the, our parents generation, you know, was so quick to, to divorce, you know, her, I think both of her parents had multiple marriages. I know mine did. Um, we had friends that are that way, but like we started like going through our, you know, friends that were couples and, or together in, in relationships. And, we noticed that it was, you know, 15, 16, 17 years, 20 years. 
and they were all on their first marriage still. And that, that was really cool. And so it was just a really neat thing to really come upon of like, well, we see a generation before us and what they went through. And then we subconsciously, because I know I didn't do it consciously, but I blinked my eyes and here we are. Um, but subconsciously have come back and said, no, we're not going to do that. And so I just thought that was a really cool thing to talk about. Um, it was, it was a great weekend. We had a good time together, but I also wanted to throw a shout out to this, uh, bed and breakfast that we stayed at. Now it's funny because I am not the type of person that likes to stay at a bed and breakfast. Just a little too quaint for me. Feels a little too like, uh, forced social, to strangers that maybe, you know, we're having a nice romantic weekend or, you know, we're having a, a, a weekend where we want to be alone, but we're forced to be in a, you know, eat meals and stuff with these other people. But this was different. This was a really, really neat place in Amity, Oregon, you know, kind of kind of the outskirts of the wine country, Oregon area. And uh, it was called Bella Colina, Colima. Yeah. I'll get that right. But I did post them on uh, Instagram. And let me just say, I mean, from the time we got there to the second we walked out the door, it was hospitality, like bar none. Like I've never had it, you know, um, tours of the place, helping us, you know, find, you know, a restaurant that will deliver food because we didn't want to drive after having a glass or two or wine. And, you know, um, just being social and having contact and really embracing this idea that like they are hosting us. And not only that, the rooms are spectacular. I mean, our shower had like three to four shower heads or something like that. It felt like I was like dancing in a water park. It was <laughs> hilarious, but it was hospitality. It was luxury. It was the breakfast. I mean, the breakfast was fantastic. They did this thing um, where they had a starter and it was, uh, they called it a smoothie in a bowl, but that's basically what it was, is they took and they made a fruit smoothie from fresh fruit, uh, a little bit of yogurt, a little bit of honey, and they put it in just like your normal cereal bowl, topped it with this like homemade granola, a bunch of fresh berries. That was your starter. Um, Fresh squeezed. Like, and you could tell because this juice, this orange juice that was fresh squeezed, um, it was like almost a different color to the point where she, my wife looks at me and goes, what kind of juice is that? And I had to take a sip to find out, but it was, it was fresh squeezed. Like they had just squeezed that orange juice for my glass. Um, really great way to start it. Um, good coffee. And, uh, the, the meal was fantastic and, Mind you, every time they brought a course out for this place, you know, the, the person, the, the chef or, you know, the host that was cooking it would come out and explain what it was. And I loved that. You know, there were four other couples and, and she would come out to the main dining room and she would say, okay, well, this is, you know, you know your, our berry bowl or, or, you know, just explain what it is. So the main course was a brioche French toast. Um, but it was a it was in a pumpkin pie batter, had some powdered sugar over it, um, some homemade chicken apple sausage, uh, 
some really, I mean, and I'm talking, when I, when I tell you this, a baked apple, like this baked apple was done perfectly. It was exquisite. And it, it just had the perfect amount of tooth to it. You could pick it up with a fork and it wasn't just falling off. Um, so a little bowl of those. And then they made some homemade like Chantilly lace and they got some couple berry compotes to put on your French toast. It was, you guys, if you're in this area, look this place up. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed one bit. Beautiful landscape, farm country. I mean, secluded. Like when you're driving up to this place, it's a one lane road. And that, and you're just kind of like weaving through and like, hopefully, okay, something's going to come around the corner and then bam, there it is. Just perfect. So highly recommend Casa Colina or no, Bella Caja something. <laughs> Completely butchering their name. But go check out my Instagram. It's all over there. Um, they are fantastic. So stuffing, getting on to stuffing. I believe that's the next topic here. Um, wow, big controversy around stuffing. We're going to talk all about that. But first, let's talk about what it is. So there's two different names of stuffings, right? There's, there's, uh, and I, I can tell you, I can get confused with this all the time. Um, and just, it was just a couple of years ago that I really found out like what, what, what the difference between the two, but you hear people call it stuffing and then you hear people call it dressing. Um, pers- personally, it's going to be always be stuffing to me regardless of what the name means. But, um, so the dressing, when people call it dressing, it's because it's the same recipe, but it is baked in a baking dish, not in a turkey, not in any type of, uh, meat baked separately. But again, it's the same recipe. Um, but when it's stuffing is, is a, it's a very, um, you know, logical term. So it's actually the same, you know, bread and herbs and a bunch of other stuff but but the basics is, is a, a basic form is bread dried bread and herbs okay um and you know from what we were talking about with the cranberry sauce on our last show um, we all know that like hey the stuffing probably started as bread and some just natural herbs growing out there and it blossomed into this beautiful thing but um but stuffing is referred to that recipe actually put into the cavity of a piece of, you know, raw meat or, you know, rolled up into the middle of a raw meat. Basically it is in the middle of something that is a protein of some source. Um, you can stuff, uh, vegetables too, but, uh, most generally used in raw meat and it's used because it helps, uh, retain moisture within the meat. Um, and, it's a, it's an interesting concept because you got, you got this like sponge, like, you know, bread material that's soaking up all those, like that good, like drippings of the Turkey and just creating these huge flavors. But then guess what else is happening? It's soaking up those juices and then turning it into steam and steaming from the inside. So really cool concept. Um, really, really cool concept. But then you get into the big debate. To stuff or not stuff your turkey. <laughs> and, the, you know, this is something that is, 
I mean, the culinary community is completely split on this. And I will say, you know, it's, it's basically a regional versus traditional thing. That's the primary debate here. Uh, and, you know, when I say regional, it's because uh, in the South, I think they, they're still pretty big on stuffing the turkey with stuffing. Um, but the bigger debate here is uh, this, the process of doing it and the safety risks that come along with it. Um, there's a big, there's a big, big safety thing, and we're going to go over that and talk a little bit about that here. Get some more of this uh, peppermint tea. Um, so the big concern, right? Salmonella. We all know what salmonella. We hear it all the time, you know, you know, uh, spinach outbreak with salmonella and all that stuff. So what is it? You know, it, it's a, it's a bacteria. It's a bacteria that's going to make you sick. It's going to have it coming out, you know, any orifice. Uh, but it is not good. It does not mix well with our stomachs. So the two primary sources for salmonella in the stuffing is the egg and the interior surface of the turkey. Okay. So this recipe does have egg in it. Some people won't put egg in it and that's completely okay. Because you can't omit the egg. But if you do, you know, we can talk about what that looks like. But uh, it's, it's just going to be a little bit drier and it's not going to stick together as well. Um, but let, more importantly, the interior surface of that turkey um, is creating this zone, right? This area where what I just talked about, which is amazing flavors are happening but bacteria is also growing. Now, you hear the word bacteria and everybody gets scared. Oh, oh, bacteria, we got to stay away from it. We cannot have it. I think by now we all know that bacteria is, you know, there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. Well, we know salmonella is bad bacteria, okay? We know that from years and years and years of, of being scared and you know, people telling us it's wrong and actually having to deal with that is not a good thing either. So bacteria growth is all about two specific functions, okay? Bacteria growth is about time and temperature. Now, I wanted to, let me say that again, actually, time and temperature, okay? I want to, I really want to break this down and make sure that there's a good understanding of, you know, time and temperature and what it is. And because, you know, stuffing is really easy to make uh, and it's really easy to make well. Um, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to make our people sick. So I want to be able to teach you the right way, at least give you the information on how to, you know, go forward with this. So time and temperature, what do I mean by that? So let's say temperature first. Let's talk temp. Um, 165 is your magic number, okay? 165 degrees is where bacteria can no longer live. They can't live above that temperature. So they, they start dying off, which is why that is the, the big number. Now, there's this little area where uh, we like to 
refer as uh, refer to as the the danger zone. Now, the danger zone. What is that? Well, let's uh, hear what uh, Kenny Loggins has to say about it. I could not help myself on that one. Sorry, I grew up in the 80s. Top Gun was my, like, my favorite movie. Anyways, the danger zone, the danger zone. Like, let's tattoo that on our foreheads. So the danger zone is between 41 degrees Fahrenheit to 135 Fahrenheit. If you're looking at Celsius, it's 5 to 57. And this is the zone that bacteria just love it's like they're it's like the bacteria hot tub right um they not only do they just eat it up but they multiply and they multiply and then they multiply and then they multiply they the danger zone is really uh the worst area that you could keep you know the worst temperature range that you can keep your food in now i'm going to sidestep for a second and tell you that they're are many conflicting things that we do in this industry that uh, completely challenge the danger zone, okay? Completely challenge it. You know, I'm talking like cooking a steak medium rare is going to challenge the, da- the danger zone, right? But there's one simple key to making sure we are still serving food that is not growing bacteria while being outside of that zone, okay? So I'm going to break it down a little bit more here for you. Um, the danger zone is, is achieved. It's, it's when food is in what we call the lag phase or the resting after you cook it phase, bacteria will start to form, okay? It's going to form at any point from 165 below, right? Um, again, where the, that, hot, that danger zone is, is, is really the, the hot spot, right? It's, it's where they're going to start to uh, multiply and, and eat up stuff and multiply and eat up and multiply. And this is where we would um, insert our fun Alton Brown, you know, animation. I don't know if you all are fans of Alton Brown, but I love what he does. He's amazing. Grew up watching him. Love, love, love him. Um, but uh, so the danger zone is achieved by keeping our food in that lag phase between 41 and 135 for four hours or more. Okay, so let's talk about what that means, because I'm just throwing things at you left and right here. And I'll kind of I'll kind of recap uh, after I get done explaining this. So you have between one and four hours to get that food out of the danger zone. Okay. So there's very specific ways of cooling your food um, to keep it out of that zone. So you have, you know, one to two hours, you need to drop it from 135 to 70 degrees, 70 ish degrees from uh, three to four hours. It needs to go from 70 to below 41. And, with uh, proper storage of it, with um, proper methods of maybe getting a, a, what's called an ice wand, 
putting it down the middle or even sitting it in a nice bath to make sure, you know, we are controlling the rate of temperature. And that, that's what it's all about here is we want to control the rate of temperature and how fast it's, it's going down. You know, the faster it goes down, uh, the better in, in a sense, you know, we want to make sure we're still um, keeping our quality of food up there, but we want to make sure that we do not keep our food within that danger zone for four hours or more, because if you do, you are running a huge risk of getting anybody, yourself, whomever you are cooking for sick. So if, if any of this is not making sense, please reach out to me. I can break it down even more. But for sake of time, I'm going to kind of recap that. So again, bacteria grows um, between the areas of 41 degrees and 135. Um, after 165 degrees, that's when bacteria dies. That's like the area they can't go. That's like Death Valley for them. And we have one to four hours to keep them out of there, to get them out of this zone. Okay. Nice little recap for you though. So how does that relate to stuffing, right? That was a whole, like, uh, we're going to get into the scientific or did it get into the safety and sanitation aspect? But I thought we were talking stuffing. Well, we are talking stuffing. Um, it relates to stuffing because if the stuffing is not 165 degrees, when you pull that bird out, so back up a little bit, we, we, we take this recipe, we stuff it, you know, put all the stuffing in the middle of that turkey, get it nice and packed, you know, tie the legs together, get it ready to go, throw it in the oven. Oh, the little needle pops out or our temperature, he says, okay, time to pull it out. And we pull it out and that stuffing is not at 165, which it won't be then the chances of our little bacteria friends starting families are going to start. I mean, they're huge. They're going to be starting villages. Now, what happens if we do get it at 165? Anybody? Raise a hand. Anybody? Anybody? What's going to happen is our turkey meat, the breast, the brown meat, whatever you want to call it, whatever your favorite is, that's going to be sitting at like 175, 180. You got it. Then what we have is <laughs> a overcooked, dry, nobody is going to want to ever come to your house again for Thanksgiving turkey. And I'm telling you, and you know this, I'm sure of it. Some of you may, some of you might, might not. But nobody likes a dry turkey. Nobody likes dry turkey on Thanksgiving. The one thing that I am shooting to achieve on a turkey is to make sure it's moist. Even after I slice it up, even after I put it on the platter and bring it out to the table, that stuff better be dripping. So in order to get our stuffing at 165, we would have to cook that turkey um, to its death pretty much. And, you know, that's, that's, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're definitely not going to do that. So needless to say, uh, we are not cooking stuffing in our turkey. Like I said before, you know, you don't do that. It's called dressing, but 
I, I just, you know, old habits just don't change with me and I'm always going to call it stuffing. It's always been my favorite, favorite, favorite side dish. I don't, I, I'm not really sure where that started. I, I could probably, um, give some credit to stovetop and, you know, please don't turn your nose up to stovetop because the, come on, they shaped what stuffing is in the eighties. You know, they really brought home like how to efficiently make stuffing outside of the turkey and still taste good. So let's give props where props are due. And Stovetop, you are fantastic and uh, we appreciate what you've done. So for the sake of safety, for the sake of a juicy turkey, uh, we are not going to make our um, stuffing in the turkey. And if you want to call it dressing, call it dressing. I'm probably not going to make that happen. So, all right. So before we get into uh, the mise en place of your recipe, I want to talk a couple variations. First things first, the star of the show. The reason why we eat this is the bread. Now the bread, it needs to be stale. So whatever bread you do choose, um, make sure that you are, you know, I usually, what I do is I cut it up into cubes and I put it on like a cookie sheet or a sheet pan of some sort. And I set it on top of the refrigerator overnight and that will do the trick. Uh, that will get it nice and, you know, crunchy on the outside, keep it a little softer on the inside. Um, but it does the trick. I promise you that. Um, but as far as bread variations go, let's, you know, the, the sky's the limit, right? It, it's all, in uh, your preference of what you're making. Um, you know, I usually go with a nice thick cut like uh, focaccia or even cornbread, mix focaccia and cornbread. Um, you know, we all know that cornbread can be dry. I mean, everybody has had dry cornbread. But, um, so they're, they're already doing half the work for you there. But I like a nice like herbed focaccia and you know, we can, focaccia is super easy to make, or you can just run to the store and grab, you know, I feel, I think there's a store here near us that uh, sells like slabs of it for $5.99 and it's, and it's fantastic, right? And it's kind of already dried out too. How about that? So, and not only that, it is already herbed up. It is already salted and baked. So you're just saving yourself a little bit of time. So run out to your store, go to your bread section. I mean, anything. You know, cranberry wheat, uh, anything made in a loaf, right? You know, find kind of like your baker, the fresh bakery section, um, and, and, and see what you can find. You know, traditionally, this is made with, you know, the white Wonder Bread. And don't get, don't, don't get it twisted here because I am not putting that white Wonder Bread down because there is a place for the little tiny cubes, the white bread, you know, that is soaked in a little bit of chicken stock. So, um, that is a whole thing, but for me personally, and what I'm going to show or the recipe I'm going to share with you today, it's going to be big chunks. It's going to be some sort of, you know, kind of freshly baked bread that we're going to create and make stale ourselves. Um, it's going to have some flavor and, you know, that's, that's the whole thing is, you know, this, that's who I am. I like to have bold flavors. I love, you know, bringing that like really, uh, heavy 
kind of warm, comforting food flavor to my dishes. And so I'm going to go with something that has been cooked in oil and herbs, right? Naturally. Okay, so next variation I want to talk about is uh, or the nuts. So traditionally speaking, you know, um, and this is also big in the South, but uh, chestnuts are a pretty common thing found in stuffing. I don't know if you've ever uh, dealt with uh, peeling and cooking chestnuts, but uh, it can be a little bit tricky sometimes. Let's just put it that way. Um, So, you know, I've done everything from pecans to walnuts. Um, I think one year I did pistachios. Uh, You know, again, you can't go wrong with it. I've had it with uh, pine nuts, which is very actually, it was really nice. Really nicely. It brought a whole, I mean, it kind of like tied everything together. Those pine nuts got a little toasty. And you all know when you get toasted pine nuts, like it just can't go wrong. So again, there's, you know, with these variations, the sky is the limit. You find, you have a, a nut you like, let's, let's chop it up and throw it in there. Okay. Give it a shot because it's going to be really hard to mess it up, especially with a nut. Yeah. Um, and the third variation, well, yeah, third variation we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, the the fresh herb aspect. Now, the like I like I have been doing this whole time with these recipes I'm giving you. I'm I'm giving you recipes that are very basic, because I want you to be, you know, your own artist. I want you to go out there, and you know, and I challenge you on this every podcast of going out and making this dish your own, but I'm going to give you the basics. I'm going to give you the basis of what this recipe needs. We talk about variations. Now the very, the recipe that I have is going to call for fresh parsley. Personally, I like a little bit more herbage in my stuffing. There it is again. Uh, So my stuffing needs to have sage in it. It needs to have rosemary and it needs to have thyme. Now, the beautiful thing about what I just said about the bread is my bread already has that on it. So I don't need to mess with it too much. You know, um, I will taste the I will taste to make sure um, in the process. So I know if I need to put some more in there, which sometimes I do. And usually it's it's the time that I need to put more of. Um, but those are my three, you know, favorite herbs. And as you probably all know. You cook anything with those herbs on it, you know, you're smelling up your entire block. People are going to be, you know, bum rushing your house. So um, let's uh, talk about the next variation. Next variation is very interesting because it can go a couple different ways. Uh, You know, in England, this is a very big thing where they will put dried fruit in their stuffing. So... I can tell you that I do not, um, and that's no uh, bad talk on anybody because I've had it and it's been very good. I don't do it because I love. I think I talked about this on my last one. I love that perfect bite, right? So turkey stuffing, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, that perfect bite. If I can get all that on the fork in one shot, I mean, done. I'm done for the day sitting on the couch, you know, watching the football for the rest of the day, enjoying my spiced rum or whatever I'm drinking. But 
I'm telling you, I don't think stuffing needs fruit if you're going to serve cranberry sauce. Now, if you're not serving cranberry sauce, let's get some dried fruit in there because we need that sweet element for that perfect bite, right? So those are some different variations. You know, I want to make sure that uh, we all know that um, any of this stuff can be done or you can just make the basic, but you will still be set up for success either way. So let's jump on to the recipe. Okay, recipe for stuffing. Remember, this is basic, so make it your own. We're going to do eight ounces of small diced onion. That's about, I'm going to say, almost a full medium-sized onion, yellow onion. Okay, Um, so eight ounces of that. Celery, small diced again, six ounces of that. We have four ounces of whole butter, two pounds, hear me, two pounds of dried bread cubed, uh, two eggs beaten, and one tablespoon of fresh parsley. So I'll go through that again. We got onions, celery, whole butter, dried bread, eggs, and fresh parsley. Pretty simple, right? I mean, those are the type of things that uh, not only can we pick up at the store for pretty inexpensive. I mean, especially if you're going towards, you know, the the little bit smaller cubes with the white bread. And, um, you know, you got your what's called mirepoix. And your mirepoix is onion, celery, and generally carrots, too. But we're going to we're going to take the carrots out of this one. So, uh You got your onions, your celery, you got your whole butter. Pretty simple thing. Most of you probably have this in your kitchen right now. Um, And something you'll notice, and I do this a lot, and I do this very purposely, is that most of my recipes are done by weight. Because that's how you're going to get your exact. Now, if you're you're like, come on, man, I I don't have a scale. I'm not going to sit there and weigh things out. I know how to measure things in a cup or whatever. That's fine. There's conversions. So go on to your, your Google machine, type in, you know, how much, how many cups is eight ounces? It's going to tell you one cup, you know, how many cups is four ounces? That's a half a cup, six ounces. That's three quarters of a cup. So know that like, I'm going to give you the weight because the weight is always going to be the most exact uh, recipe you can have. And it's going to get you to the T. So, you know, go out to your store, spend $15 on just a little, you know, little food scale. I think they even, they sell them at Albertsons, Fred Meyers. I mean, all the big, all the big grocery stores, they sell them. I can tell you that you will start to see some refinement on your recipes. I I will also tell you that you can convert any recipe from weight to volume, which cups are a volume uh, measuring technique. So make sure that what you are doing um, you, you know, exactly the measurement that you're going to go. So, um, first things first, we're going to do on this is we're going to take the onions, the celery and the butter, and we are going to saute them in a in a pan, you know, medium heat, throw the butter in first, let that butter melt up, start to bubble a little bit, and then you'll throw your onions and your celery in there. You're going to cook that. We're gonna not going to burn it, but we're going to cook it. So once you get it in there, you hear that sizzle, I'd say turn it down one notch, 
let it cook evenly until at least the onions get a little bit translucent. And then in a large bowl, we're going to toss together the breadcrumbs, the spices, the egg, and the parsley. And then once we got all that mixed up, we're going to pour our seasoning or our um, mirepoix in there. So our celery and our onions and whatever excess butter is there. And we're going to toss that and toss it and toss it and toss it. Make sure everything is evenly coated. And then we're going to take a, a sheet pan or a cookie sheet. And we're going to put some butter on the bottom of it. We're going to spread our mixture out nice and even. And, and this is one thing that some people will kind of get mixed up on and they won't get that, that even cook on it. Is we want to take and make sure, use our hands to press it all out. Everything's touching the edge. Everything's pressed out, you know, nice, you know, nicely spaced. That's a big thing is make sure everything has its evenly spaced. You got, you know, bread's not sitting on top of bread because those pieces won't cook as well. Make sure everything's touching the pan, spread it out. And then you're going to take a piece of parchment paper. Um, parchment paper is pretty basic. You can get it at your grocery store. You can get it in the roll. You can get it in the preformed for to fit your sheet pans. We're going to butter one side of that parchment paper. And we're going to put it on top of our sheet pan. And then we are going to cook it or bake it at 350 degrees uh, until it's done. And you're probably like, well, what do you mean until it's done? How do we know it's done? Well, when it's done. <laughs> I used to have a, an instructor that would say that, you know, it's done when it's done. You know, you figure it out. No, I'm not going to be like that. So your your stuff is done when your stuffing starts to, you know, crisp on the outside and you see that golden brown happening. Uh, it's approximately 45 minutes at 350. Um, so, but it, it's, it's huge that you actually do, you know, the, the parchment paper on top or else you will burn it or it will get really dried out and it will not, um, satisfy. Let's just put it that way. It will not satisfy. So moral of the story today is safety. We're going to uh, take this recipe I gave you. You're going to make it. You're going to bring your own variations. And then you're going to post it. And you're going to tag me in it. Or you're going to send it to me in the DM. Or you're going to say, hey, Chef Matt, this is what happened. And that did not turn out what's going on. Communication here, people, this is the, uh, this is the way to success. So we need to make sure and talk. We need to make sure and, you know, do, uh, what you want to do, but test it out, taste it, taste it along the way. Don't be afraid to try something new. That's all I got for you guys today. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope that, uh, everybody goes out and tries the stuffing. Um, I've seen some, some pictures and, so I had some, some comments about the cranberry sauce, which was great. I've seen some amazing mashed potatoes. So you guys keep it up. Keep sending me stuff. Um, if you want to uh, send me an email, you can send it to maxeffortkitchen at gmail.com. And that way it's a little more private just because you don't want to put yourself out there. That's totally cool. But main thing is, is that you are doing it and sending it over to me. I love that. 
And pretty soon here, we are going to be doing a giveaway for people that send it, uh, send me their pictures. So let's get used to taking pictures. Let's get used to tasting our food. Let's get used to trying it, you know, testing it out before the big day. Test it, please. Tag me in it. Go subscribe to this podcast so you can remember this for next year. Hopefully you're all taking notes. Hopefully you have some sort of notebook or maybe you're cooking along with me, you know, in the kitchen. So whatever it is, just come back, see me uh, again. I'm going to be coming back this week. Um, Yeah, I think this week is going to be Brussels sprouts. Again, a super easy one, but wow, can you turn these Brussels sprouts out with just a couple different techniques. All right. I hope everybody has a great night. Uh, great start of the week. Uh, Tomorrow's Monday. And uh, just remember, food is love. And we'll talk to you next week.